0: Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: It's amazing. We're watching the future and the present of the league, two of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen, It's amazing. We're saying that about one of them, considering he's just 25. The other's looking for another Super Bowl, and maybe we should look for them together in Super Bowl 55. Of course, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll talk about two quarterbacks in a second. Lou Riddick will be here to talk about two Monday night football games at the bottom of the hour. Pittsburgh and the Washington football team, and then Buffalo And San Francisco, that'll be played in Arizona as the 49ers (laughs) have had to relocate with everything else going on there. Guys, the latest example of their greatness on display last night with A-Rod joining the 400 TD Club and Patrick Mahomes continuing to chug on with the Runaway MVP talk. How would you size up what you saw from both of these living legends yesterday?
2: It just, it amazes me. Not not so much with Aaron Rodgers, but Patrick Mahomes. I mean, because he's so young, right? He's so young and so gifted. It every time I sit up and I watch him, I just sit there and go, "Wow!" But even more so, Eric Bieniemy as well as Andy Reid. Andy Reid is, you know, how you get all these guys talking about their experts at the quarterback position. No, he really, truly is a quarterback whisper. If if you and I zoom in wanted to play the position, he can get us at least a shot as the backups for somebody if we went and trained with Andy Reid. And then Eric bien me just being able to put Patrick Mahomes in the positions that he's putting him in, calling the right plays, dialing it up so that he can deliver the football to his players. And then when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, I don't even – I mean, I just go back to the – I go back to the offseason. Why did they draft Jordan Love? Everybody's screaming and hollering about he needs receivers, he needs those things. Everybody forgot that they were 13-3. and three and played in an NFC Championship game last year. And he just continues to do what Aaron Rodgers does. I mean, what do you expect?
3: I feel like my biggest takeaway from the weekend is just the Browns. Like, how good Baker Mayfield can be. It was the first time I saw him look like the number one pick in the draft. And why are you looking at me like that?
2: No, I'm I'm just You're giving me a look,
3: Keyshawn. I know what your looks mean. I know you well enough by now.
2: I was trying to help you.
3: Help me do what?
2: Don't just go, man. Go on with your comments, man. Don't worry about <laughs> I got you. Just, all, you know.
3: all I was saying, Zubin, was that the, the way Baker played, it seems like I, I, watching our game, that started to put me in a conversation that I think this team could beat the Steelers. I'm not saying that they can beat the high-octane Kansas City Chiefs because I've seen how explosive they can be, but Baker Mayfield playing at a high, high level – it feels like they belong in that conversation if Baker Mayfield can play that way. I'm not saying he can maintain that style of play,
2: but it seems feasible. Here's the great thing about Cleveland, though, is, is I always say the weather is going to change. Right? That, that weather is going to change, and they can run the football. And he's shown that as long as you don't ask him to throw the football 50 times, mm-hmm. he's serviceable. Enough. Now, what he did yesterday, I'm not expecting for him to do when the weather changes. I just want him to turn around, hand the ball to Chubb, hand it to Kareem Hutt, hit Landry here and there, and that's it. I don't need you to. I don't need you to be twenty-five of uh, 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 of thirty-three for three forty and four touchdowns. I don't need that. And I think that when you look at it, that style is portable. They can carry that style. Think about the teams that they would be seeing in the playoffs. Right? They're going to see uh, uh, maybe like a Buffalo. Uh, Weather. They could take that to Buffalo. Whether they see, I don't know if Baltimore will get back in the mix, but they're going to see Pittsburgh. They could take that to Pittsburgh. Even if Jay Will is correct and they see a Kansas City, they could take that to Kansas City. Because all the teams that you think they're going to see, there's weather issues that could potentially come up during playoff time. But
1: they can't take OBJ there. That's the big problem. It's been discussed again yesterday. Great performance, 45 points. Baker was amazing, scoring on their first six drives, including five touchdowns, a field goal to start. What are your thoughts on them playing without OBJ at the moment?
2: I think they're fine. If you go back and you look at it, and you could do it really quick on your computer because I know you will as I'm talking. Look at where they were at when OBJ was there. They were doing fine. It wasn't like all of a sudden things changed. They still were doing good. Yeah, there were some mistakes that was being made, but overall. They were headed in the right direction. We had that conversation when they played the Dallas Cowboys and they beat up on the Cowboys in Texas Stadium. We were like, oh, my God, you see how they they, they came out and decided they were going to do some things in the next week. So they had already started on this course of turning things around with OBJ in the lineup. I know a lot of us, you know, we was kind of fixated on the fact that he was throwing the ball to OBJ. All the time, or seemed like he was forcing it to OBJ all the time, whether OBJ was asking for it or he just felt comfortable doing it. I don't think it changes much at where this team is today, opposed to where they were when OBJ was in the lineup.
3: I actually disagree. I think it changes a lot. I think it changes a lot for Kevin Stefanski in trying to keep OBJ happy when he wants to be a run first team. You know what? Does that make sense, Keith? So, like, to a degree, I, I think it's allowed Baker not to feel like he has to force the ball to OBJ in a lot of different ways. I think it allows Baker and Kevin Stefanski to say, we are going to pound the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt constantly. And I, I think it's allowed Baker to feel way more comfortable when now he has to throw. I'm not saying long-term they're going to be a better team without OBJ, because but I think sometimes things happen for a reason when you're provided that comfort level to build into, hey, this is who I can be, and then maybe ultimately – Next year, when you do bring OBJ back into the equation, if he's still there, you have a better sense of who you are and who you can be in that system.
2: But I think they was already headed in that direction. It just—it was the beginning of the season. It took time for them to start to gel and figure it out. Just because OBJ gets hurt, and then the next week, uh, Baker Mayfield goes out and has a great game, everybody's like, "Oh, see, OBJ cool. wasn't there." That's not that—that that is not correct at all. Because prior to OBJ getting hurt they were winning football games. Outside of the Baltimore Raven game, they were playing well. Well,
3: that's why I want to parse the conversation, right? We we love these hot take conversations. Are they better? I, I just think it allows them to operate differently, right? There's not that same strain. There's not that strain, like that same, I have to get the ball to you. It's, hey, I, let me spread the ball out and let's let's do what we know we can do, See, but which I don't, is ground the pound.
2: I, I don't feel that they felt that way. I feel like –
3: Keyshawn. I Keyshawn feel like, Johnson. Well, hold on, you hold no,
2: I don't feel that they felt the stress of having to focus in on OBJ.
3: Every team that you played on, you are a personality. Did you want the ball?
2: No, but it doesn't, no, it no, doesn't, doesn't matter what I wanted. Let me, let me, let me, wanted. Know, let me ask you a couple questions, me. though. No, no,
3: because I, I think that you guys are very similar. No,
2: in, no. No,
3: well, no. <laughs> I'm, wait, let, me, let me claim some of the attributes in which I think you're similar, right? But one, you guys have strong personalities, and you, you, want, you want to be targeted because you can make plays. There is something to be said about when a personality like that is around, you do want to cater to that personality
2: to agree, but my coach to a degree. Is, is that not correct? But my, but my coaches, we had an understanding. I knew when I was getting the ball and when I wasn't getting the ball. I, I knew going into a game, I'm going to get seven targets. I already knew. Or I'm going to get three. And when I know that I'm only going to get three, I knew how to turn the switch on. Oh, it's going to be a run-heavy game. I'm going to pound the you-know-what out of whoever's over me.
3: Now, when if the latter was more consistent? When if I told you most of the time that you were going to get three to four targets and that we were still going to ground and pound? I'm how okay. Would that- I'm fine with Keyshawn, that.
2: Keyshawn. Ki- W's over anything.
3: Keyshawn Johnson. D- what, you, what, no, we're gonna do, no, what we're not
2: going to do, No, we're not going to do, we're not going to set a <laughs> New York narrative on some – crap that no. you sitting around getting rid No, crap. we're not doing no. that. I just know we're you. are not doing that. At some that. point, no. Keyshawn, no. you are going to get frustrated. I know I'm you. Not. you would those, not. Get- because those three or four targets are going to be plays that I can make. And what if you, them? Them? When if you don't make them?
3: What if you don't make them because you're not no. getting the same amount of touches? In, nah. Come no. Come on, Key. You can't sit up here and getting, tell me on radio. I didn't
2: get 20 targets a game. I'm out with 20. I get five or six targets. I'm good.
3: I'm all I'm good. saying to you is if the nature of the way your team played was ground and pound all the time.
2: Man, you obviously didn't watch the games. I mean the teams that I was on. We had Curtis. Never mind the Jets. I played for the Tampa Bay Bucks in Dungy Ball. All we did was run. Like they say, if you don't score before the 20, you ain't score. Because we go kick a field goal with Automatica. That's it. So you better get it outside the 20. You better get it outside the twenty. So we would go from the thirty to the twenty, and that's it. And we kicking the field goal because our defense was lights out. We can win the game twelve
1: to three and be keep it moving. How about the shout out for Automatica Martin Gramatica? I love yeah, it. I haven't heard his name in so long. Automatica.
3: All, all I'm saying though is that there is a tendency to cater towards personalities, regardless. No, of there is there, there, there is. there is. There, there is. When, There's no question. When about you it. remove a personality, you're not saying it makes you better. But it takes a little bit less of the load to cater to that personality, and allows you to form formulate like your don't offense think, differently.
2: I, I don't think I, I don't think OBJ was a problem at all. I, I'm not I just, saying he no, was a not problem, problem, a problem, but meaning like for them to try and win football games, they they if he was available to throw him the ball, they get it to him. If he wasn't, then he wasn't, they get it to somebody else. That's the way I look at it. I just I, I know how people because of who he is is polarized. Yeah, but I'm nature, not spinning it that way. I'm with no, you not on that. You just others that are out there. The conversation even comes up for us because this was a conversation that was had over a month and a half ago about if the Browns were better without OBJ. There's no way in hell you're going to be better without one of your top players. I don't care what nobody said.
1: Here's the final word. You asked the number, so I'll give it to you. I told you, uh, you to find it. <laughs> the Browns entered the game that uh, Odell got hurt. He got hurt against the Cincinnati Bengals. The second time they played the Bengals. They entered that game at four and two. They won that game without OBJ, so they were 5-2, and, and now they've won four additional games, so they've almost won as many games without OBJ as they have with OBJ.
2: So at, at, at the end, it, it, you would still be better with him than without him. And, and, and the coach, Kevin Stefanski, will certainly tell you that. We would love to have him if he was healthy All and available. you on
1: that. Fair enough. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no same. compromise. Let's go from no, A to Z. No, we're not the same. No, I, are know, are not I didn't same. say you were the same. No,
2: I don't have blonde hair.
1: <laughs> so Odell, of course, played at uh, LSU. But we're talking about Ohio State and Michigan State. Ohio State dominating Michigan State by 40. Ryan Day wasn't on the sideline. 23 players weren't there. They missed three of their starting five offensive linemen. But they roll. But here's the big thing. They got Michigan, they hope, on Saturday. Michigan can get back on the field as early as today after they had to put the program on pause several days ago. ESPN College football playoff analyst Heather Dinich on what the Buckeyes proved over the weekend.
4: I thought that what they did on the road without their head coach and so many players missing showed depth. I mean, let's not forget that. You can talk about resiliency and getting to East Lansing and playing that game, but talk about the depth that they were able to continue to do that and win like that. Now, granted, Michigan State is an abysmal football team, right? But to be able to put together that kind of convincing win after the week that they had, I think will earn the committee's respect. I don't think you could have asked for much more out of Ohio State going into that. The question, of course, looms for them. As long as the Michigan game is a question in the long term, so is that fourth
1: spot. And obviously that's because the Michigan game would get them to six games on the season. The Buckeyes are 5-0. and There is a Big Ten rule that you need a minimum of six to qualify for the conference championship game. Jay, what do you think about OSU's chances?
3: I think OSU is one of the top teams in the country. I mean, I think they're number two or number three. I know Key and I were talking about this yesterday. And I, go ahead, Key. No, no, go, on, man. I'm just looking at the screen. Your mouth is I was, I was, like I'm something. sitting here
2: like I was watching a highlight, but now that you've hand it off to me. Unlike Zubin, Zubin doesn't like to uh, shoot. He likes to pass. But what <laughs> I would say is, is um, you gotta think about who who have they beaten, right? Like it's like I'm in that category now. I'm like thirty point favorites against Michigan. What does that say? Yeah. Like what? Like you know? And I know they got a good team. From my eyes, I can look at Fields and what they've been able to do on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. But they just Handed Michigan State. Like, I, I just, I look at them like Nebraska. Like, are they one truly one of the top four teams in college football today? I think they are. I mean,
3: you said this multiple times when I use that argument on the NFL side. You can only play the teams in front of you.
2: No question about it. But I'm saying. Your eye test. You also it, go by your eye Am I really seeing that? What am does your eye really you? I mean, it's hard to tell because the teams that they in, Like, they. Right? It's hard to
1: tell.
3: They're, I think they belong in that top-tier conversation.
1: I'm with Jay on that. Their one close game was against Indiana. If Ohio State can't get to six wins or six games, Indiana Can would see. then possibly win the Big Ten East and play Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. So that was their one close game. And the team that they edged, Indiana, is in some ways thinking if Ohio State can't go to the conference championship game because of these rules and regulations – it's our spot to take, and obviously, it goes without saying, that would be Indiana's first appearance but in were, the Big Ten Championship. They were, they were
3: pretty big in that game before they let their foot off the gas and Indiana started to come back. So
2: True, true. Well, we'll take them in the Rose Bowl if we see them.
1: <laughs> right, Big Ten. Big Ten Rose Bowl works. Key Pac-12 is trying to figure out the other end. The Steelers are trying to stay unbeaten. <laughs> At this point, they'll take on the Washington football team tonight. One of two on Monday Night Football, five Eastern. You'll see that game and then the traditional game set months ago between the Bills and the 49ers. By the way, that one's going to be taking place in San Francisco, uh, excuse me, in Arizona, because the 49ers have had to move out of Santa Clara County. Key, will the Steelers stay undefeated tonight?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Washington's a good story. There's no question about it. Alex Smith should be comeback player of the year. Um, But it's, yeah, Steelers got a lot to play for.
1: Jay?
3: Pittsburgh is only minus 6.5, less than a touchdown. I I, I think the Washington football team's defense is better than what we're giving them credit for. Alex Smith is a comeback player of the year. I don't like the way the Steelers played against the Ravens. I know it was a a crazy week. I I think the Washington football team has a legit chance. I think they have a legit chance to win this game.
2: They changed their schedule just like Justin just changed our schedule. You know, moving (laughs) it all the time.
1: And so it's one of two tonight, Washington and Pittsburgh on Fox at 5 Eastern and then Buffalo and San Francisco in the state of Arizona tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, 820 kickoff on ESPN. That's A to Z. And let's talk a little bit more about Philly. Hurts is in.
4: I just felt like where we were as an offense, we needed a spark, um, something to kind of kind of go our way. And and um, so I decided to uh, you know put Jalen in the game. Jalen Hurts is in and stays in. Do you think you should be the starter? A lot of these things are outside of uh, my control. Did you think you should have gotten a chance before today?
2: Anything that could help this team? The
1: move has been made for now. That's the legendary Merrill Reese, the voice of the Eagles, who's seen so many quarterbacks swap in and swap out. But this is huge for the moment. When struggles in the third, Hurts comes in, shows signs of life. Peterson noncommittal on who will play against the red-hot New Orleans Saints when they roll into Philly with a nine-game winning streak next sunday we're also asking you on the dr pepper twitter feed simply put who should be the eagle starting quarterback moving forward wentz or hurts at nl andrew photog go get that vosat go get that vosat hit us up on the key jnz twitter feed and said quote start hurts hope to get wentz back to his old form for next september nothing to be gained by playing wentz now they aren't making the playoffs yeah
2: yeah i, I like that reporter that asked Jalen Hurts, do you think you should, should have been playing before now? Like Jalen Hurts was going to go away like, yeah, I should have been playing. No, he's not going to give you that. That was like one of those moments, like one of those reporter moments. But I think when you, when you look at it, like I was telling you guys earlier in, in, um, about Carson Wentz, right now is the time to go to Jalen Hurts, even though you're you know it looks like you're done, you're cooked for the season. You go to him, you see where he's at, and then you open it up for competition next offseason. And that's that's what you do. You wanna you wanna get him some full reps. Yes, you're gonna throw him to the wolves at the Saints. There's no question about it. But that's okay because he's been in bright moments, whether it's college football or not. Football's football, and I think for him, you 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 could you know first quarter, second quarter, you let him get his feet wet. You get into the second half, all of a sudden, whatever he learned in the first two quarters, now it won't be such a you know a fast track in the third and the fourth quarter. He he could actually you know, kind of come to form with the rest of the, the, the game. And so I like the fact that if, if, in, if in fact Doug Peterson decides to go to Jalen Hurts and name him the starter at some point this week, that's a plus. It's not a minus at all. Carson Wentz hasn't shown you anything this season that make you think that he's the guy that he was his rookie year. Here's
3: what I'm concerned about. Jay Glazer came out with a report talking about Carson Wentz having shaky confidence. Dan Orlovsky was on our show saying, you know, after you assess the mentality of Carson Wentz, then you make a decision. We're talking about a guy that got paid a lot of money, got paid a lot of money, now to all of a sudden be questioning his confidence. Now, I understand confidence is a very sensitive thing that depends upon how you go, but I, I think these are the type of tactics that now all of a sudden we moved away from because we don't like to confront people and see mentally how tough they are. Like, Jalen Hurts should get the start next game. He should play the full game. And then I want to see how Carson Wentz responds to that. There's nothing wrong with just allowing it to be an open case scenario. Fight for it.
2: I've never in all of my years of paying attention to pro football, I've never seen a franchise quarterback, and and the reason he's a franchise quarterback is because they paid him as such, benched. I've never never seen a franchise quarterback benched that, that is young. We're not talking about Donovan McNabb in year 16. We're not talking about at the end of one's career. I'm talking about the beginning of a young career where they paid you a bunch of money, now all of a sudden they benched you.
1: Not a momentary
2: bench. Not a moment like they benched you. Like we're ready to... Yeah, I've, I've never seen it happen. Now all of a sudden, this is a conversation that is taking place because you benched him. So now the conversation is real. Now that you've benched him and you haven't named a starter, you're still thinking about it. And, and you talk about fragile mindset, as I've always told you. Quarterbacks are some of the sensi- most sensitive dudes around. So go out and get it. Go I, take the damn job. I, I understand I don't understand that.
3: why we lose that. Like, now all of a sudden,
2: it's in front of you. Go get it. But that's the way they treat him with white gloves on, very delicate.
3: But well, I'm glad they're not treating him that way anymore because obviously it wasn't panning out in results. Like you know, the the white gloves. Are you okay? Is everything? It wasn't panning into. It wasn't translating to wins.
2: No, not at all. In in clearly, uh, the head coach, the front office, the organization, they saw that and they decided that Jalen Hurts, you know, because that conversation. Whether he had the conversation, as as Carson Wentz said, he never knew the plan going in. I've been around some pretty good coaches that had the bench quarterbacks, and they never had a conversation. Before that, about oh, if you don't, if it don't go well, we're gonna bench you. Why would you tell someone that prior to going into a game? You don't tell them that because they're on edge now. Every every little moment, every time I do something wrong, I'm looking over my shoulder. He knows. He knows. Doug Peterson didn't need to communicate that to Carson Wentz that you're on a short leash. He didn't need to do that. Carson Wentz already knew that, Z. I'm-
1: and we should mention you heard Merrill Reese there on 94 WIP. Let's hear from Jalen Hurts. Listen to this back and forth with perhaps the erstwhile Eagles starter.
2: I'm trying to do what I can do for this team. I think that's as simple as that. Um, working hard every day, putting my best foot forward, um, and, 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 and taking somebody with me. I'm trying to lead and um, just, just get this thing in the right direction. So anything anything that can help this team. Did you think you should have gotten a chance before today? Anything that could help this team? Yeah, I should have been the starter since day one. Is that what he thought he was going to say, Jay? I
3: I mean, sometimes these reporters ask questions, and you're like, what do you expect him to say? I I was going to say this, you know, I I know it's not in the league, but I I had a pretty rocky freshman year when I was in college. I I averaged like 13 and a half points, six and a half assists. I played well, uh, but not great and I was McDonald's National Player of the Year. Now, going into my sophomore year, we are preseason, top 10 in the country. Coach K had also recruited another National Player of the Year at the same damn position that I was. Now, I'll tell you, Chris Duhon was a bad dude coming out of high school. I looked over my shoulder all the time. You know what that made me do? It made me work my tail off. That made me fight for it even more. That made me try to be him to the gym to be the first one there. That made me stay later to be the last one there. It made me watch tape differently. My thing is there's nothing wrong with comp- competition. There's nothing wrong with seeing a guy. I, I, I heard Carson Wentz say, like, I'm not type to worry about look over my shoulder. He should. Let it drive you to be better. Like I, I know we live in a sensitive age where we're worried about paying a guy that type of money. I know we've never seen it before. This opportunity for Carson Wentz to go out and take his damn job back, he needs
1: to go get it. That's fair enough. In college, they call it recruiting over you, and in the NFL, it's the same sort out. of version. You don't pan out, right? Next man up, no doubt about it. And That next man up could be Jalen. Nothing, Hurts. man.
2: I ain't say nothing. You on said McDonald's All American. I just was thinking Burger King, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you could, you could be the uh, Wendy's Wooden Award winner. Also, we to throw the all the fast food in there. On the way, two Monday night football games tonight, including the one on ESPN with the Bills returning to their house of horrors. They're playing the 49ers, but the venue isn't the Bay Area or Orchard Park.
0: Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
5: Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world.
1: It is time for the Monday Night Football Preview, and it's brought to you by Progressive Lou. We got two Monday Night games tonight. We got Pittsburgh and the Washington football team, 5 Eastern on Fox, and then when they're done, everybody flips over to ESPN for you, Steve Levy, Brian uh, Brian Greasy, Lisa Salters for Buffalo, and San Francisco in Arizona because of that ordinance that has all the Bay Area teams out of Santa Clara County for three weeks or so. I think a lot of Bills fans know what happened the last time they went to Arizona. They lost on the hail Murray, but what has this been like for the 49ers to upend uproot their lives and have to deal with this?
4: Yeah, it's been, it's been a heck of a challenge for them Zubin, um, just for, from a, from a humanistic standpoint, I mean, let's, let's just forget the football part of it right now and how it affects their schedule that way. Cause I, I think players are creatures of and as soon as you've kind of set forth what the schedule is going to be. They adapt quickly, but it's the human part the isolating part of it because they're down here in arizona where everything is pretty much wide open down here so the temptation for them coming from santa clara county where everything has pretty much been shut down and there isn't nearly the type of things to do up there as there is here it's it's a shock to them because they're still being told that look you need to really take care of yourself although we can't make you stay in your hotel it'd probably be a good idea to Stay on the straight and narrow the same way you were up in California because we are in the thick of this thing. We can't afford to get anybody uh, testing positive and then have there be an outbreak on our football team. We've already dealt with that to a small degree already. We need to stay on the straight and narrow, and it's hard to keep guys kind of isolated like this when you're away from your family, you're away from your house, you're away from the normal way of doing things or the way you're accustomed to doing things, and then you're asking them to come down here in all this sunshine and the – a little bit warmer weather, and then be even more disciplined. So it's tough. It's taking a toll on them mentally. But Kyle Shanahan is a heck of a leader. He's a guy who has great perspective, really communicates with this football team on a human level, much more so than even a coaching level. And I think that's why this team is well-positioned heading here into the last couple weeks of the season.
2: Lewis, the, the Bills have lost seven straight Monday night football games. What do they need to do to pick up this win tonight, knowing that the New England Patriots are tightening the grip some?
4: Yeah, I think, Keyshawn, they just need to, first and foremost, I mean, it, it sounds it sounds tired and old and, and kind of routine, but they, just, they need to make sure they take care of the ball offensively and don't get sloppy late in games or at any point during the game like they did last week against the Chargers because they really are an explosive team on offense that can hit you in a number of different ways, whether it be running the ball, short passing game, or deep passing game. The quarterback is dialed in right now and playing with just a ridiculous amount of, of confidence. And then on the defensive side, they are playing better more so now in terms of stopping the run, understanding how they got gassed in some ways in the run game earlier in the season, turning the ball over themselves defensively in the secondary. They just need to keep those things in mind as they come out here and obviously put the game – against Arizona out of their mind because totally different teams, totally different set of circumstances, and I think they'll do that.
2: Louis Riddick, ESPN's Monday Night Football Analyst, joining us here on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. You mentioned the quarterbacks playing pretty good football right now. Josh Allen, when you look at it, he leaves the league in total QBR from the pocket this season. Last year, not so much. He was ranked 21st in that category. What growth have you seen from him thus far this season from last?
4: Yeah, I think mentally, obviously, being in the same system with Brian Dayball, he has really gotten this offense in conjunction with Brian right where he wants it as far as understanding in situations what he's most comfortable uh, executing. I think mentally he's doing things much, much faster. Now, you can see him in the pocket executing full field reads in a way that you didn't see before. I mean, I noticed it from a defensive perspective. I said, look, if you're playing against this quarterback now, He's just mentally so much further ahead than he was before. But I think most importantly, and Josh told us this too when we talked to to him in the production meetings, his mechanics are much more consistent. He worked very, very hard on that this offseason. That would allow him to be much more accurate with the football. And we've all seen him have his accuracy issues in the past that kind of make you scratch your head. He seems like he's gotten that squared away. And so now everything's clicking for him. And on top of it, he's got Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, I mean, John Brown's hurt right now, but Gabe Davis, this rookie that they got from UCF, is just ridiculously talented too. So they're humming right now, man. They're, they're a tough team to deal with.
3: Lou, Washington and Pittsburgh play each other in an earlier game. Washington's defense has been one of the best there is in the league. They're ranked fourth in efficiency uh, defensively and also second in sacks. What's been mm-hmm. the key to their success on that side of the ball?
4: Uh, a bunch of first-round picks. <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of guys who are highly drafted who are real, real good, who can really rush the passer, and who are kind of like, you know, they're, they're tired of hearing what Washington has been like in the past. They don't really care about the dysfunction and stuff that has gripped that organization for years in the past. They're trying to establish their own their own legacy, their own identity, and they're, they're playing that way. And I think on offense, I think the offense, on the offensive side of the ball, Alex Smith has had a calming effect on this team overall. He's just giving them confidence because, look, if you can come back from what Alex Smith came back from, then, what they're, then the kind of things that they're dealing with as a football team over the past couple of years doesn't mean anything. I mean, Alex Smith is on the brink of death, and now this guy's playing winning football, and that's just pervading and just spreading throughout the entire organization. And we all know how, I don't care what sport it is, we all know how momentum and confidence can, can spur you on to do things much better than you've done them in the past, and, and I think you've got to give him a lot of credit for that.
1: There's no question about it. A double dip again for Monday Night Football. It's been that kind of year in 2020, and we'll also have Tuesday Night Football tomorrow between the Ravens and the Cowboys. Look forward to seeing you all tonight, Lou. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, man. Go on back in the bed and get some sleep. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Later.
1: And once again, the Monday Night Football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quoting by all online at Progressive.com. Lou and all of our guests joining us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. On the way. One national champion who is having their title defense be about as bad as we have ever seen in the history of their sport. That's next on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin.
0: Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast.
5: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money.
1: No matter what happens the rest of the way, LSU is going to finish with arguably the worst record of any defending national champion in the modern era. Saturday night, they got destroyed by Alabama, 55-17. It is the most points Alabama has ever scored against LSU. Alabama had 45 points in the half. Devonta Smith, who's got some Keyshawn qualities at the wide receiver position, could have had... 300 yards receiving. They called the dogs off, and you got to give a lot of credit to Alabama for calling the dogs off after the way LSU celebrated when they won at Alabama last Mm -hmm. year. He was taken out with about 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. Bro could have had 300 yards receiving easily. Roll time. (laughs) And that's what Coach O did in the locker room, and they let it play throughout the rest of the way. They had Joe Burrow, 14 guys drafted, their passing game coordinators with the Carolina Panthers, their defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, highly respected as the head coach at Baylor. Ton of attrition. Doesn't matter. We still got Coach O. Coach O brought it all together. I'm not saying you're allowed to have a bad year in the SEC. But I am saying you're not allowed to have two bad years in the SEC. And the best example I can give you is the last time somebody like this was in a spot, Gus Malzahn, SEC coach with a transcendent player. SEC coach with a transcendent player. You look at what happened to Auburn after the Cam title. You have Gene Chizik as their head coach. Less than two years after Chizik is there and he leads Auburn did the championship with Cam Newton. Boom. Chizik is out. Malzahn is in. Malzahn is 3-4 and four against Alabama. He's done okay. I think most people that are 3-4 and four against Alabama, the only other guy that's got a record like that is probably Sweeney at this particular point. So word to the wise for Malzahn. He's obviously been on a hot seat the entire tenure. But when Chizik won the championship, less than two years later with Cam, he's out. He's now working with us at the SEC Network. Less than two years. Years after winning a title, getting one over on your rival with one of the greatest players college football seen in 25 years. Fast forward, LSU, transcendent title, the most statistically accomplished quarterback in the history of the game, if that means anything to you, single season record for Burrow. They're struggling this year. It's a wash. They're done. They got housed by Mississippi State. They got embarrassed by Missouri, who made an all-time comeback. One more year like this. One more year like this. I don't care how much goodwill this guy has. One more year like this, he's going to get the Gene Chizik pig slip. This is the SEC. They finally edged in front of Alabama. Every piece of equity, every sweat equity they had to get in front of Alabama. And in one year, Alabama has beaten the brakes off of them. You got lucky once. You got a transcendent guy once. You are not as good as us. You cannot go toe-to-toe with us. I love Coach O, SC guy, been on the program. One bad year. After this, if 2021 is like 2020, he's going to get chisocked. Now Zubin, how much do
3: you factor into COVID? Because, I mean, they've had two games that have been postponed, never played. How much does that factor into how of an anomaly this year is?
1: I would say that Missouri has turned out to be a very half-and-half half team. They have a first-year head coach in Drinkwitz. Uh You should never be losing to Missouri. They never. were up huge in the game. Missouri stormed back. Um, They should never be losing to Mississippi State. After that week one win, Mississippi State has actually turned out to be one of the worst teams in America. And here's the other thing that you fellows would imagine. If you saw the game Saturday night, Alabama was blowing by LSU players. When you were watching the game, people felt like this felt like, you know, Mike Tomlitt called it the junior varsity, the way the Steelers played last week. This felt like Alabama was just 10 yards in front of every LSU defender every time Mac Jones Put it in the air. So I agree with you. There's some COVID here. I just think the tables have turned talent-wise so fast. And if LSU is not careful, all of the time they spent trying to catch Alabama is going to be lost instantaneously.
2: And, and a little bit of that was personal as well, uh, whether you believe it or not. A little bit. Steve Sarkeesian, Coach O, Sark didn't bring O back. He got the job over Coach O out at USC. So, and Coach O had some words about it, you know. So, all of those sort of little subplots factored into the fifty-five points being hung on him.
1: We'll see what ends up happening with LSU. Plus the
2: locker room celebration.
1: Yes, the locker room the, celebration. You bold. haven't seen it.
2: That was bold. Yeah, we. We played it a lot in L.A. That was
1: years <laughs> of frustration coming out. That was, he's just a dumb Cajun coach. Yeah. All the things people were saying about him, all the disparaging things people are saying about him, I got one over on the genius on his own field. How do you like me now? Yeah,
2: they were getting close to over the last couple of years. They were getting close to beating Alabama. They got over the hump last year, went on to win a national championship, like you said, Zubin. But then this year, COVID or not, they just don't They don't look... You know, when you when you have the players that they've had in the stable over the last couple years, whether it was Devin White, the linebacker, whether it was Queen, whether it was Greedy Williams, whether it was Jamar Chase, Jefferson. I mean, I can go on and on. Joe Barrow, uh, Clyde Hilaire. I mean, we can just go on and on and on about the talent that they had stacked up behind each other. They didn't replenish that talent. When you look at Alabama, Alabama essentially is plug and play. Soon as a guy goes, get drafted in the first round, up, next guy up. Najee Harris has been sitting around basically for four years on the pine, even though he's been playing, but it wasn't his show. He just was sitting around. Now it's finally his show, and they got somebody else behind him. behind him. They got somebody else, and that is how Alabama recruits.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the team that – I mean, everybody's obviously looking up at Alabama right now, but the latest installment of the rankings are going to come out tomorrow – on ESPN. Ohio State is sitting in the four spot. Jay, you've been talking about this morning with the way that they look Saturday. If they can get this game against Michigan in on Saturday with the Wolverines possibly restarting their program today. Today's the earliest. They can do it. I'm kind of with you. I don't feel like they should be in the four spot here. I don't feel like they should be, despite the however many games they've played, I don't feel like there are three teams in the country better than Ohio State. I think if Ohio State played Notre Dame, Ohio State would beat them. I would
3: agree with you on that. Um, You know, Look, for, for Notre Dame, obviously beating Clemson without having Trevor Lawrence, even though DJU, still call him DJU, <laughs> uh, threw for over 350-plus yards in that ball game. I, I just look at Ohio State, they are offensively explosive. They can score. Master T can run the ball. Justin Fields, with the exception of the Indiana game where he threw multiple picks, has looked great this whole year. I know they haven't played anybody, but it, it is what it is. Is,
2: is this the true... Four best teams in college football, right? These are really the because tr- I'm, I'm as you said that now I'm starting to sit around. Unless Florida
3: beats Alabama in SEC yeah. championship Florida game, Florida A&M, change.
2: maybe you know Florida A&M. They played head to head a one. Yep. Um. Yeah. What other teams are, you can't mess with them? Oklahomans and them Texas. Well, you could always come out west. I mean, you yeah. know, well, a lot
1: of Cincinnati Little. fans screaming at the radio right now.
2: Uh, Ohio State might. They might take them to the woodshed. This isn't going to be a Boise State-Oklahoma game. You know, I think Ohio State will probably just get the best of them just because of the program, the establishment, the bigs. You know, it's just it's hard when you got dudes just dominant like that. It's hard when you're a little brother like Cincinnati to take over and go and punish a team like Ohio State. It's just hard. They, They got a good football team, but it's just something about smaller programs taking on the big dogs in upsetting
3: them. You think you do you think Notre Dame is the second best team in the country?
2: I don't. Uh, Honestly. I don't I don't like Notre Dame like that though. I just don't even like their style. He looks slow. They don't they don't look as fast as Clemson or as fast as Alabama or Ohio State. They just they look like a Midwest kind of old style Notre Dame to me.
1: What about the idea that to Jay's point in our final few seconds, Florida defeats Alabama Upsets the apple cart. Florida has to get in. A&M said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We just we just beat Florida. We're the only team to beat Florida. And our only loss is to Alabama. That could cause some huge chaos if Florida can pull that.
2: It, it, it would. Um, Florida's a good football team, though. And so is A&M. And, 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 but Alabama's the big dogs. They're not going down like that.
3: So I get annoyed at all these divisions in college football. Throw the divisions out the window, just take the two best teams. They
2: should wait, though, until the end of December, man. Let the Pac-12 finish up so my Trojans can sleep in. <laughs>
1: But you're right. (laughs)
2: I'm going to try to slip the Trojans in. They're
1: undefeated. What's wrong with them? Let's slip in tomorrow. The legendary Roger Staubach will join us at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Enjoy the games tonight.
0: Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.